man. Call me killer. Oh, man. That's it, man. I'll tell you what, dude. That's, uh, I love it. <laughs> love it. Fuck yeah. Hey, man. Rocking American flags, comic killers, you know, shit. That's... Fuck yeah. So, everyone that, uh, everyone listening, this is, uh, did I say your last name right? Kessel? Yeah, you, dude, you got yeah, it right. right. You're one of a few. Beautiful. J.R. Kessel, you, you came on like two weeks ago and we talked about, yeah. uh, kind of a, I think we titled it a mob based upbringing and uh, your relations to all that stuff indirectly or asymmetrically, whatever the fuck you want to call it. And um, I know you got some more stories. And um, normally when I have a guest on and I've like read their book or something, I can kind of give a preface to. But uh, I have no idea what the fuck we're talking about today. So I don't really have much of an introduction. So uh, take it away, my man. Well, you know what? Hey, man, start off, you know, like my boy Comstock. You know, I got my American badass up here. Fuck yeah. My buddy, my buddy Jeff Kyle, his brother Chris Kyle, American sniper. You know, two of the greatest guys in the world. Uh, I never get, I never got to meet Chris. Jeff is an awesome person. And uh, anyway, man, anybody gets a chance, go hit up the American Valor Foundation. And um, good, good organization, man. It's run by the Kyle, Kyle family, and uh, Chris's parents and uh, Jeff. They run a tight organization. So anyway, man, look, look here. Uh, oh, and by the way, Dale, I'm going to give you a review on uh, Amazon one of these days. When you better, <laughs> man. The book. I'm making, yeah, I got the book like fucking three years ago. I'm making a note, <laughs> making a note right now. Um, uh, but, but, but yeah, so we kind of got into some crazy stories last time, and you said you had more today. Yeah. I don't really know so, how to guide it, so I'm just going to give it over to you, man. All right, all right. Well, look, man, you know, I got to think it. Last time I was all over the place. You know, shit, I'm jumping from, hell, three years old uh, to my end of the, to my end of the life. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to kick it on back to, you know, when I was a kid, uh, you know, I was, man, my hero was my dad. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Um, the old man, wherever he went, you know, back then we didn't have to worry about fucking, um, uh, child seats so, you know you're standing up in the front seat of the car and you know you're pimping like the old man and uh, one day this is back oh god man late 60s probably about 68 69 we pull up to a liquor store he's seen one of the detectives he knew a guy named buster landrum leroy buster landrum uh leroy was like my uncle dude he was a hard ass son of a bitch man seriously old school gangster cop the old man nodded at him he nodded the old man dad told me said we're gonna sit here and wait a minute so apparently buster was waiting on a couple of junkies and they come out of the liquor store and man i'm gonna tell you what if you see these movies where the cops sitting there just pistol whipping the living shit out of somebody it happens it's it's legit now leroy was not a very big guy in stature he wasn't no six two six three he was average height probably five eight five ten somewhere in there but that man was a vicious brute he beat those guys and my old man told me he said that's what happens when you get on the wrong side of the law and i'm thinking this coming from a guy you know now i'm looking back later and like this coming from a guy that killed people yeah. <laughs> for a damn living so you know it was uh things like that he uh the old man still during his time until he did get out tommy he was still running the book uh book bookie uh betting uh, off off the book betting and uh 
shit, man, on Sundays. That was his thing. He'd get up, nightclubs, everything. He'd hop, hop in the car. Here we go. Start hitting all the bookie joints. And, you know, there's nothing like being with your hero, following him around, doing all this stuff. And, and as a six, eight-year-old, you really don't get a concept of what's going on. You're just hanging out with your dad. Yeah. And that's, um, that's you know, some of the probably the best times of my life. You know, I can't really uh, – I can't really complain about it. I mean, you know, you, you grow up, you learn things and, uh, you, you see things that you probably shouldn't see at that age, but it, it, you know, it is, it is what it is. I mean, uh, there, there was countless times. I mean, hell we'd go to places and hell they'd prop me up on the bar and I'd sit there and watch, watch the games with the guys, just like I was a grown ass adult. And you know, those things like that still stick with me to this day. Um, you know, I'm going to get to something here in a minute that would probably get a get an adult thrown in the penitentiary uh, for child abuse or whatever. But um, <clears throat> there was a place there in Galveston called the IQ Newsstand. Now I'm going to give you a little background on it. It was just what it was, Newsstand. Pretty good-sized place, but back then they had pinball machines. You name it, they had all the weird stuff that a newsstand shouldn't have, but they had it. And in the back was where the hardcore ass old gangsters were. I mean, that's where the shit was happening. So he would, like I said, you know, load me up. Here we go. You know, go back there to the back of that. It's called the Urban Queen. That's what the IQ stood for. And uh, it's no longer there in Galveston. They tore it down a long time ago. But the fact, you know, that you go around these guys and you're looking back now and, and realizing that there was a lot of stone cold ass killers there. Guys that were making big money, guys that were losing big money, guys that just didn't give two shits about life one way or the other. And uh we we just had, you know, had a lot of I guess family time, if that's the way you want to call it. You know, it was it was family time for us. So the, uh, you know, I'm a, talking about Buster just a few ago and brutal, brutal ass cops. My grandmother, dad's mom passed away in 72. Uh, say about 1970, the Serbian clan there in Galveston, you know, they're, they all immigrated in after 1900. So they're getting older, passing on. It seemed like a funeral every week. And as you said yourself, you was an altar boy. So, you know, you know what it's like to be in church and have to go to these things and be at them. Well, it, it was just a regular type deal for me. And one of the family had passed away. And my grandmother, who was, I want to say, in her early to mid 80s at this point, she always liked little old lady carried her purse on her arm. She's tootling along there. And on 61st Street is where the uh, the Serbian cemetery is. And why? For, for whatever reason, I have no idea. But this this clown decides, he sees a mark, he's going to take off running, and he's going to snatch a purse. Now, you take that with a bunch of grown-ass gangsters, a bunch of grown-ass cops standing around. <laughs> he got got a hold of the purse and he drug my grandmother to the ground. 
Now, you know, being as young as I am, hell, this like, altar boy, you're not getting involved in <laughs> You're just sitting there like, what the hell's going on? My dad and my uncle take this guy. They get him off my grandmother. And they, Tommy, they should have dug a hole for him out there at the cemetery. I mean, they beat this son of a bitch to a pulp. Now, you got a detective. And you got a damn gangster beating the shit out of of a damn criminal. Two brothers protecting their mother. Mm -hmm. And that's the way family is, man. It doesn't matter what family's family, and especially when it's your mom or your dad. Yeah. And, you know, it was just stuff like that. So it was uh, nothing uncommon to, you know, um, you know, I'll give you another one. Uncle Louie, the detective, hell on his days off, he'd swing by the house, check check up on me. For whatever reason, he was always checking on me. I think it's because I was always getting into trouble and shit. And when the old man wasn't there, he was coming by and checking up. Well, one day he comes by and mom, you know, mom's there. My aunt, Natalie, lived next door. And you hear all this damn commotion. Well, a couple houses down, the neighbors scream, somebody's in my house. And they took off running. Well, this guy decides that he's going to do this shit, but he's going to run across the yard, front yards, and he goes underneath my my, my parent, which everything down there in Galveston is all parent being where we live. So uh, he goes underneath the house. My uncle looks at my mom and says, have you got your piece? She reaches in her back pocket and she throws him her pistol. Now, for whatever reason, Louie didn't have his damn pistol on him that day. I have no idea. He goes underneath the house. You hear the goddamnest commotion you've ever heard in your life. This guy's screaming and hollering. Louie's dragging him out by the hair of his head, pistol whipping the shit out of him. And he thought he was going to break loose and get loose and run. And when he did, my aunt grabbed his ass and tackled him. And Louie got him again. Well, they called for a patrol unit to come and, come and get the guy. And, uh, you know, it's just like, damn, mom's carrying a gun? What the fuck? <laughs> you know, I know, I, know, I know dad carries one, but Jesus Christ. Yeah. <clears throat> <Do> you, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah. Do you do you ever get do you, are you ever concerned that <clears throat> things that like you grew up with are, are those ever going to come back to you like you know like like your mom like you said your mom like shot a, like a notorious gangster are you ever con- and in my sheltered suburban mind like the mob doesn't forget is there anyone that's ever going to come back decades later and they're just like fuck you you know, after we had our conversation a couple of weeks ago, you know, honestly, like I said, you know, you're the first person outside of my wife and just just a small circle of family that any of this has ever been discussed with. I mean, it's just not, uh, yeah. you know, it's just not one of those things that, you know, shit, man, I've been carrying this stuff with me for damn near 58 years. So uh, to answer your question, after talking with you last couple of weeks, you know, and that shit has kind of run through my mind, but 2000, I'm, I'm a throwback for a second to something my mom said. 
In 2008, Hurricane Ike hit Galveston. And it it tore that island up pretty bad. Um, the east end more so. And when all this news is coming through and we're watching it up here, we're listening and everything. And mom, made, mom made the comment. She goes, well, it's a good thing that the majority of those people are dead now that your dad was, you know, doing whatever to, for, with, because the old man, she said, the east end of the island is where he would take and bury people. Jesus. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. Yeah. So in, in, in my, my wife, Donna, she's like, what the shit? And mom, I mean, you know, you could tell my mom, like I said, she was an alcoholic, but she had her moments of clarity. And that was one of those ones. And, you know, looking back from the, from the past and things that have happened with the family and everything, you know, I don't think that she would just have said that out of a clear blue just to, uh, to see, you know, hey, you know, let's see if we can get a rise out of him or, or what. I mean, it was, uh, and I asked her again, I said, you know, I said, you know, are you, because it was just maybe two weeks after I could hit my uh, aunt, Donnie had passed away. So we went down there and me and Donna, we drove down to the East End. So I'm thinking, you know, okay, maybe I'm going to see a femur or titty or something sticking up out of the dirt down here in the dunes. And, uh, we got back and I asked her, I said, you know, I said, were you, were you legit serious about, about the old man, you know, as far as where he was best? She said, no, she said, that's, she goes, when your daddy bought his way out, she said he killed three men. He took them, he buried them on the east end of the island. And she said, that's how he got his way out. When Which the old man was full. When no, go said, ahead, go when ahead. When you said <laughs> by his way out, was that, <clears throat> so is that, was that like a final favor he did, and that's how he was like he got out of the game? Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. Tommy, he, uh, you know, he was full blooded Serbian, so naturally he couldn't be a made man. He could never be. He could yeah. be part of a family, part of a crew, but he could never be a made man. Sure. Uh, and uh, yeah, that was that was his final final buyout, and and from the best I can gather from mom, you know, that was sometime around. Shit, man, 71, 72, somewhere in there. He uh he got the hell out. And uh I think he was still, you know, that old saying, just when I think I'm out and they pull me back in. I still think my dad did things. Um he he would discuss the life. But, you know, it's kind of like when you listen to The Rock on, on wrestling, he talks about The Rock in third person. Well, that's the way the old man was. The old man discussed things with me, but it was always like, you know, now I understand he was telling me what he was doing. But it was, I was always there, Junior. I was always there. You know, I was always there. Um, a good example, he, um, there was a member of the family. That was apparently, you know, one thing they frown upon is, is child molestation. You know, that, that's, uh, yeah, a bad, bad thing. And the old man just happened to be there when the guy ended up 
taking the uh taking the member <laughs> to the uh the back way and he removed his member and testicles and choked him with it. There was a heavy price there was a heavy price to pay for bringing undue attention to the family. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I realized that with what the old man would tell me, but again, you know, I, you, you just see shit with like the old man. When we go to the bookie joints, he'd leave me up on the counter and he'd go to a back room with somebody and they'd be back. You know, he obviously trusted anyone or where we went because otherwise he would have never left me sitting in there. And I don't think anyone was stupid enough to try to do anything to me. So needless to say, you know, it was, um, that kind of shit right there. Just, um, you know, you, you really, really look and, um, dad, dad told me about when, uh, he was there at the Balinese room with the, uh, with Maceo's shit, man, you had, uh, Frank Nitty came in. He always thought, oh, he's bullshitting me. You know, Nitty ain't down here. And, uh, like Frank Sinatra and, and a lot of the big Hollywood types. Now, Galveston was apparently a huge, huge place until late, uh, piss late fifties when the feds came in and just, the Maceo's ended up going to Vegas and uh, for, I believe it's Fertitas ended up, they were, Fertitas married one of the Maceo's sister, vice versa. So there was family connection there and the Fertitas ended up taking over the island, what was left of the operations and everything. So the old man was still doing stuff. I don't think nowhere near to the magnitude of what he was back in the 30s, 40s, 50s. But yeah, it was... Uh, it was crazy times, man. You know, uh, you, now I'm a uh, go ahead, go ahead. Do you think? Um, so for everyone that <clears throat> didn't listen to the last episode, talked about um, your your mom was a, a a woman of the night, and and she had slept with Jack Ruby at one point. Jack Ruby killed Lee Harvey Oswald. Lee Harvey Oswald killed President John F. Kennedy, and then your mom. She eventually killed a mo- a mob member, correct? Mob, yeah, mob member. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And <clears throat> and your dad, your dad met her, your mom through just kind of that whole mob mob scene ish nightclub, just kind of all overlapping. Yes. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Do you think your old man was involved or knew anyone involved with JFK? Because you know the, the the presiding theory is I I think it was the CIA. Some people think it's the KGB. To me, it makes the most sense that it was the that it was the mafia because Bobby Kennedy was fucking all of them over, and the mob helped JFK get in. Do you think your old? I mean, it's all it's all done now. It's he's passed he's passed right. away. Do you think your old man had anything to do or knew anyone tangentially related <laughs> with the whacking of JFK? I have to ask. I can't not ask. Look, man, you know, I mean, it's a legitimate question. Um, you know, there, there's there's all kind of shit speculation that the mob was involved in it. I mean, Joe 100%. Kennedy went to the mob. They were. You know, Joe Kennedy went to the mob and uh, they were asking for help from up there on the East Coast on getting votes through the damn union, labor union and everything. And it, Dad was a moonshiner. Yeah. Hey, man, who had the sole import rights on, uh, on the booze, man? You know what? It's uh, it's all about the Benjamins. So, 
you know, I, that's one of the things, Tommy, to be honest with you, I never asked. Now, yeah, I don't think, he have, I don't think you're supposed to. I don't think you're supposed well, to. Well, no. And, uh, you know, with, with the old man, he never really, like I said, he never really, like, openly just discussed the life. Um, there were bits and pieces. And as I told you on the last episode, you know, when he uh, was going to stab me with the damn ice pick, I mean, it kind of legitimized the fact that, yeah, you know, my old man's a stone cold killer. Yeah. If he's willing to kill his 17 year old son right here in the, in the hallway by the kitchen, I, I really don't think anybody else get, you know, <laughs> was of any concern to him. It was a job. Um, you know, I, Look, looking back, I, I've told told Donna, I said, you know, there's several times over the years I've had people come to me, ask me about, you know, dude, you ought to write a book. You ought to, you know, just start jotting this shit down and uh, everything. And, um, you know, my old man, being a ninth grade dropout, was, was he had to be intelligent. He never spent it. He never went to jail. Yeah. Never got caught. Yeah. Uh, as he told me, never let your right hand know what your left hand's doing. So uh, the only way you're going to get caught is now if you get on YouTube or Instagram and post it. But back then, it was your mouth. Um, I wish I would have just sat down with him and asked him more questions and and just tried to – I think he would have been open to talking to me as an adult versus – some some smart nosed punk ass smart you know smart ass yeah. kid teenager that's you know you know oh yeah my dad's a mobster my dad's a mobster you know well yeah you know low key yeah. keep it keep it below the radar yeah I feel like you know it's like the mob never forgets but I feel like I mean if that was like a CIA conspiracy I mean I feel like the mob looks at the CIA the same way I look at the mob. It's like, they're the ones it's like, they don't forget and everyone will die. If anyone talks about it, they're also in, they're also wildly intelligent individuals. James, Jesus Angleton, Alan Dulles, like these people aren't stupid. I mean, it's just gotta be plausible deniability on top of plausible deniability. So maybe exactly. it wouldn't even be if your old man knew about it, he probably wouldn't know if he, it's like the best CIA asset is the asset that doesn't know he's an asset. Like, I could be a CIA asset and I don't fucking know. Like, yeah, but you know, hell dude, I'm gonna go ahead and spill my guts to you anyway. So now now you got the beans on me. Yeah. 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 uh, What what I mean, what I mean is like, I wonder if you would even know, but I mean, I mean, I feel like it's, if anyone would know know, it's you're, you're closer than most. I mean, I know it was, I know we're coming up on 60 years, but I mean, yeah. I mean, if your dad was, if your dad was, did mob hits and, and your mom slept with Jack Ruby, I mean, dude, that's about as close as that, dude, that's, you know next what, door. That's... you're rubbing shoulders. <laughs> speaking of, speaking of next door, hang on. Uh, you know what? We're fixing to, uh, <laughs> we're fixing to, uh, have one for the old man. I'll, I'll, I'll cheers my, I'll cheers my water to the old man. Uh, yeah, you don't want to pull a dime to play the other one the other day. That's a oh, lost man. episode. I, I oh, can't man. wait to see. The lost episode. I don't know when that's going to be out. We got, 
I mean, that'll be that'll come out one day. The last episode for everyone listening, it's a four and a half hour episode we did. Me, Don the Pleb, and David O'Neill. We drank to John McAfee. That episode was the definition of going off the rails. Dude, I'm gonna tell you what. That's um, there's there's more shit involved. You know, uh, you know the mom was helping uh, back during World War II. As far as on the docks mm-hmm. there in the ports, you know, I mean, they were letting us know as far as the damn Nazis coming in or who was doing what. Yeah, Nazi saboteurs. Oh. Yeah, Uncle Sam turned yeah. a blind eye, said, "Hey, you take care of the docks, and we'll let a couple of your guys out of jail right after the war." They did. They let him out, and immediately they kicked him off to Italy. But Uncle Sam kept their word. But there was, yeah, it was sort of a, you know you make a deal with a demon when you're both fighting the devil. And it's like Uncle Sam and the mob are going at each other. But, you know, when there's fucking Nazis developing nuclear weapons and incinerating Jews by the millions, you kind of look both ways and you're like, all right, you got the docks, we got the war. Like it's so there is that there's a history of involvement. Well, what is it? The enemy of my enemy is Is my my friend. friend. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it goes without saying that we've, uh, you know, we, we, we've let a ton of information such as my dad, uh, you know, I let that slip through my fingers. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't get that back. Obviously I think me and the wife are going to be making a trip to Galveston to get some old family members here pretty soon again and see what we can dig up. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm going to, you know, I told you the old man was ninth grade dropout, right? Uh, spoke five languages fluently. Um, just, he had the, uh, uncanny ability to learn whatever he put his mind to. He could pick it up and run with it. So, ah, shit, man, let's kick it up about, I'm probably 10, going on 11, somewhere in there. So we're down at Joe Magliola's barbershop. Now, this is something I told you, I told my wife about, so I didn't want her to be completely, utterly shocked when this comes out. Uh, you know, it, it, it was a, I'm going to take it. It was kind of a mobster type hangout because you always see these guys in the suits in there. They're getting their hair done. And uh, I'll send you some pictures on the, on the back channel and, uh, of the old man. I mean, they never went anywhere without suits, brother. I said, you know, it was just like this was their daily dress. Fuck yeah. They were pimping 24-7. Yeah. So I'm up there getting my hair cut, you know, 10-year-old, 11-year-old kid. You know, hell, I'm a grown man now. You know, I'm thinking I'm some shit. Get up, you know, he dusts the damn back off, slaps you on the back of the head. You know, as we're walking out the barbershop, Joe fired off something to the old man in Italian. Now, I couldn't repeat it now if I wanted to because it sounded like me dumping a bowl of spaghetti on the floor. Yeah. Old man answers him back in Italian. And the door closes. We walk out on the sidewalk. And I said, what did Mr. Joe say? He goes, he wanted to know if I took you and got you bread. And I'm like, Bread? I had bread for breakfast, Pop. Yeah. And he's like, no, come on, son. He said, we're fixing to go. You're fixing to find out what a new kind of bread is. So we end up, he ends up taking me to the cat house, brother. I'm, like I said, 10, 11 years old. And, you know, you got modern day warriors like Comstock and Ted I slaying bad guys. I'm 10, 11 years old slaying ass, (laughs) you know? (laughs) So, 
So the truth is out now. I, uh, you know, got laid at 10, 11 years old, somewhere right around there. And, uh, you know, I guess that's, uh, was my addiction. That's, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, but that's, I feel it, like that was also more of like, like it was kind of with everything, right? It's, I mean, it's, it's pistol, it's the cop pistol whipping the junkies. It's your dad and your uncle pistol whipping the guy that tried to rob your, your grandma. It's the whole, yeah. it's, there's just a different, you know, it sounds absurd now, but I mean, I think at the time it was pretty much like, I feel like that was probably pretty run of the mill. Your old man's a cool guy. And it's like, yeah, you get your son laid. It's just, I mean, these guys grew up, you know, with world war two, there's a massive feeling of like, tomorrow's not guaranteed. Well, exactly. You know, and, um, as I said, you know, it, it'll be born in 1912 and you did the math. That was like, uh, his birthday was like a week or two before Titanic, before yeah. the Titanic sank. So, you know, he, he come up in a hard era, so, you so, know, 1920. So sorry. So yeah, your dad lived through world war one, the great depression, the dust bowl and world war two. Again, a lot of those guys became men probably younger than 10 or 11 and maybe not even metaphorically, you know, the first time getting laid, so much as yeah. you become a man when it's like, hey, you know, a lot of kids, it was like, hey, you, you know, you got to start working because you're not bringing, you know, in the Great Depression or you're working out on a farm or something. Or, I mean, think of all the guys drafted. I mean, 15, 14, 15, 16 year olds drafted into World War One. I. I mean, there was a lot of literal and metaphorical. You became a man <laughs> early on. Yeah. I mean, so these guys that are, you know, you're out mowing down. Nazis, or before they were the Nazis, they were the Huns or the Krauts. Right. I would imagine taking your 11 year old son to go get laid was probably no different than like teaching him to tie his shoes. Like we look uh, at it as like this crazy thing. I feel like to them it was just like a, oh yeah, hey, you got to go do this. It was a rite of passage. It was, I yeah, mean, it, but almost it was nonchalant. Way. It was just. Oh yeah, I mean it was like you know, like, you know, come on, I'm gonna show you a different what you know. Teach you how to shave. Teach you how to tie your shoes, uh, and it's just like, <laughs> hey, go fuck her. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it, you know, it was it wasn't some seedy ass little cheap shitty motel up on the sea wall. It was really nice, uh, really really nice house there in Galveston, two story, and I mean, you know. Hell, you know, I, to be honest with you, I couldn't tell you if I knew what the hell I was doing then or not, because more likely I didn't. I was I going through the motions. I still have no idea what I'm doing. Dude, it's a, you know what? No one it's, has uh, any idea what they're doing. The guy who says he knows what he's doing knows the least out of anyone. The reality is, is exactly. we're all, everyone's terrified. We have no idea what we're doing. We're just these stupid, hairless apes just flopping on top of each other. You don't know what the fuck's going on. A couple people know what's going on. Nuclear physicists and maybe monks. Everyone else is just winging it. Sorry. That's it, man. You know, shit. Just, you know, grab a hold and hang Fucking on. Hang on, it. man. It's, 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 it is. It's, but to me, to me, that just makes me even more convinced. Uh, I think your dad definitely helped kill JFK. And I don't say that derog in a derogative manner. It's kind of epic. I, I mean, know. It's, it's, bad, it's awesome. Uh, you know, this is one of them things where you go, well, do I think, you know, it, I'm just throwing this out there. Do I think he had anything to do with it? No. Yeah. Would it be cool to find out later on that your dad was part of that shit? Yeah, 
But here's the downside to that. The conversation we had just a few minutes ago, are you ever afraid of something from the past coming up to bite you on your ass? You know, the sins of the parent are paid for with the child. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think you would have been cool as shit. Now, he could have picked a different president. I mean, yeah, true, that's the course. problem. JFK was a cool guy. He was a yeah. Know, I mean, you know, he was a good dude, president. He was like, yeah, he was a good. You guy. Know, hey, look, I, I'm just gonna call it out there. You know, he was a pussy handled. I mean, yeah, he was a good that's president, true. but that dude, that guy was pulling like that A guy, plus quality fail. That guy was a that guy was a man, no different than any other man. It was just he, oh, was, a, no, he was a high profile man. I'm not saying it's good, but I mean. Side note, I don't know why he cheated on Jackie, though. Jackie was hot as fuck. But- Dude, look, it's, you know, not, yeah, yeah, I'm going to go on the record here. You know, I, my wife, when we met, everybody told her, he's a man whore, he's a man whore, he's, you know, you're, you're getting with a man whore. And, uh, you know, I was like, you know, goddamn, guys, you know, come on, give me a break here. You know, I'm trying to, you know, do, do right. Um, yeah. You know, it was, for me, it wasn't about quantity. It was about quality. I mean, you know, you could have 500 ugly ass women and two beautiful. Well, you're not going to talk about the 500 ugly ones. You're going to talk about these two beautiful ones. And that's the way I've always been. But this woman I'm with now, dude, I could sit here and look at you and countless others and, you know, say, Hey man, I've been a hundred percent faithful. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, you finally find that one person you gel with. Obviously, my dad did with my mom, even though now look, they didn't have the uh the ward and uh warden uh June relationship. I mean it sometimes it was volatile volatile as shit. Um you know, I mean, like I said, I told you earlier, you know, my mom was a raging ass alcoholic and they're Coming into my teenage years, I mean, it was, you know, get the hell beat out of you any day that ended in Y, as long as it wasn't Saturday and Sunday, because the old man was home. Uh, once he got out of the life, he had to go take a normal job, like every other schlub, like the rest of us do now. You know, I mean, he had to go punch clock. Uh, he was still involved with the Teamsters, but <laughs> he was he was punching a clock. Um there was one day that, you know, I'm getting some hair on my chest, face and everything. I think I'm grown and, you know, enough's enough, man. You know, you know, you get tired of getting the living shit beat out of you. You know, you got this, you know, you have an idea where your mom's from and what's going on with her. But, you know, you don't want to push the envelope too far, especially after you've seen your mom flip your uncle a pistol out in the front yard one yeah, day. Yeah. But she's wailing on me one day. And uh, when she did, I, you know, I mean, I lost my shit. And I pinned her against the freezer in the house. And I said, that's it. You know, enough. You're not going to beat my ass any further. I go outside. I sit on the sidewalk. I'm going to tell your dad when he gets home. I'll fucking do you one better than that. I'll tell him when he gets home. He pulls up and he knows something's wrong. And you did not discuss family business in the open. You don't discuss. You got problems. You take that shit behind the door. You don't get out there and like these ass assholes on TikTok and YouTube and everything else. They want to post their damn family fights or this bullshit. No, man, you take care of family business behind closed doors. 
So the old man says, what's going on? And I'm trying to explain to him. Old lady decides she's going to cut me off. He cuts her off. I've never very rarely seen my dad elevate to that level of shut the fuck up and mean it. That was one of them days when he told her to shut the fuck up. He meant it. And uh, he, he, he listened to me and he never even give her a chance to say shit. He looked at her and he said, you know what? He said, if this boy needs his ass whipped, you tell me when I get home. I'll whip his ass. He said, if you lay another hand on it, I'll fucking kill you and I'll bury you. Still, at that point, I'm 12, going on 13, 13 right there. Now I look back later in life when mom said the old man was burying people out on the east end of the island. I'm like, he meant what he said. It wasn't one of those just do it again, I'll kill you and bury you. Uh, he meant it. Mm-hmm. And she never she never touched me again. So, you know, it's one of those deals where, you know, you just parent I guess, I guess parent has some sort of problem which my mom's was alcohol addiction. And uh obviously gangster addiction too, but she uh she um yeah, after that incident right there, man, she back smoothed the hell off. Um you can you can kind of see that pervading theme and like we're talking about this entirely like again this different era, different era like you know pistol whipping drugs alcohol getting laid it's i mean we look back and it's a, you know i look back at you know the, the that, where my parents grew up and you know and then where their parents you can always write that it's it's not a new theme you look back and you go oh it was a different time but you can sort of see that pervading theme where it's like you don't you don't you know, child molesters or even in jail today, you see it. Right. And it's because a lot of it, again, in my armchair psychologist, not that I know what the fuck I'm talking about. I'm wearing a cheetah hoodie. I don't know what I'm fucking talking about, but I'll be Dr. Tommy for a moment. You can almost imagine that and perhaps in the, like the kind of darker underworlds more so than the land of milk and honey and opportunity that I grew up in. You probably see a lot of these guys, a lot of maybe where, where they're from is from abuse, physical, sexual, psychological growing up. And there's sort of a, you know, you can give it to another adult, but it's, it's that timeless thing of like, don't pervert like innocence and whether it's sexual abuse or whether it's, you know, again, if he's, if he's mouthing off, tell me I'll kick his ass. But there is something like just because you're an adult doesn't mean you have it all figured out. And like you said, your mom was an alcoholic and she was beating you. Maybe your dad saw it as like a like I can deal with you being an alcoholic. Like don't take it out on the kid. Right, right, that- yeah. It, it, that, no, that, that, that's a good analogy. I mean, that's uh, shit, dude. You put you put probably ten years worth of effort into that right there in a few minutes. Where hell, I'd still be smoke, smoking. Smoking brain cells trying to trying to figure it out. Um, but it, that seems to be yeah. the timeless tale, right? Some sort of protection of perversion of innocence. Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I I told you earlier about the old man. He always was there, um, child molester, and they dealt with it. Uh, you know, funeral homes were obviously a big thing for the mobsters. You know, the mob back then. I mean, get rid of bodies, do whatever. Um, they had a uh, family member, is what the old man said. They walked in, 
And he didn't tell me. Now, he did admit to this. Uh, they walked in, and they caught one of the uh, made, made boys up there on, on a stiff. He's in necrophilia, bro. He's in there just pounding the living hell out of this chick. She's dead in the mackerel. Um, the order for the hit was immediate. Yeah. You, I mean, the old man went back and reported to, 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 to his boss. And I mean, it came down, he said it came down immediate because you don't desecrate. Again. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. 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 You don't. But the desecration. Also, also that yeah. just seems like, that seems like an unhinged, again, it's like you want cold killers you don't want someone that molests a kid because that's there's a difference between being like a cold, a cold killer, you know, someone in war who's not afraid to mow down who needs to be mowed down as opposed to just like a child molester. That I was going to say desecration, but also I'm looking at, again, armchair Tommy. I'm looking at it from like the head of an organization. That seems like there's a couple screws loose and you can't have that bleeding out into other things. And if this guy is cool with clearly he was walked in on. So, I mean, like yeah. like your dad not going to jail, you got to be smart enough to not get caught. I mean, if you get – it's one thing to fuck a body. It's another thing to get caught fucking a body. That's yeah. a guy that maybe today he's getting caught fucking a body. Tomorrow, is he get does he get caught, you know, cooking the books? Does he get caught running his exactly. mouth? Well, you know, the, uh, the, the thing about it then was, I mean, you know, the old man said it countless times. He said, you know, even though we were bad guys, we still had morals. Yeah. We still had a code ethic. Uh-huh. Um, it's Tommy is one of the things growing up. My old man told me, he said, look, son, he said, there's three things. He said, you're going to get out in the dating world. You're going to start chasing girls all the time. He said, three things you don't do. One, don't ever jack around somebody's wife. He said, two, don't mess around with somebody's girlfriend. He said, three, don't mess around with somebody's, as he, as they used to call them, trick on the side. He goes, because you don't want that guy coming up and putting a bullet in the back of your head. Now, I can sit and and you know, sling a, sling a line of shit a mile long, just like everybody else. But I can also be honest, and I can honestly say I've lived by the, you know, everybody said, oh, it's a bro code. No, fuck that. It, it's not a bro code. Uh, my dad raised me with, with morals and ethics. There's things that if you did it, you knew you were crossing that line, so you better be willing to live with the consequences of it. And then there was shit you better not do. And that was one of those things you better not do. You know, to this day, I've still never had to worry about anybody walking up, putting one in the back of my head. Uh, now, after discussing all this bullshit with my mom <laughs> and my dad and everything, who knows? There may be a retroactive hit out on the old man. <laughs> it may be passed on to the next generation. This, I've, Tommy's podcast will come to an end with someone putting out a hit on me. I think I've talked to too many people. <laughs> Brother, I'll tell you what. You have got you have got, honest to God, you have got enough people, including myself. If you put a you set up set up the flares, I need help, I need y'all now, 
brother, it would look like the damn third infantry. <laughs> it would be a battalion of guys headed your way. Nobody would ever let anything happen, brother. That's the thing is, I don't know if I would know it's coming. I think the people I've pissed, I would piss off. Uh, it would, you know it would be something like, be some like cyber shit. It'd be like, I don't know, like my laptop well, would explode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're going to send a virus in and it's going to end up. Yeah, the people who take me, maybe, maybe, that's, maybe that's a, maybe that's a, there'll be a marker of my success. It'll be, I won't, I won't be taken out by some thugs kicking down my door. I'll be taken out by like the NSA or GCHQ. And that would be cool. I would be okay with that. I'd be okay yeah. if like a hellfire missile hit my apartment. Cause that means I, that to me, that would be a level of like the podcast success that well, like, yeah, like a nation I mean, state put out a hit on me. That to me, that would be pretty cool. I've reached Edward Snowden status. That's what I'm saying, you know? man. That's what I'm saying. You, uh, you, uh, you, you reached a, a level, level of, of, uh, of uh, legit legitimacy that most people only think about, you know. I mean, um, I've emailed enough presidents and heads of state that there's no way I'm not on. There's no way I'm not pinged up on a server somewhere, dude. <laughs> I got a buddy of mine that works State Department. He said, "Look, he said if you ain't on a list somewhere, then you ain't doing shit right." And yeah. I believe it. Yeah, I literally believe it. It's the truth. Um, oh yeah, no, that's not a conspiracy. That's, that's yeah. what it is. But here's the deal, Tommy. Who wants to live in a closet? I mean, fuck that. I mean, you know, Jesus Christ, dude. It, it's fun living on the edge. Um, you know, hopefully we get to do a few more of these because I've got a whole lot more to go along with this. But uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw one here at you. <clears throat> you know, I told you, Dad had to tattoo. Uh, legitimize himself he had to get out of everything he got out of everything from me uh for that i thank him sometimes i curse i curse him because he died he basically died a pauper he he didn't have anything and uh you know that's uh that's giving up a lot for your kid man i mean that's 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 legitimate love right there i mean that's the ultimate show of love you give up everything for your child so anybody out there that's not willing to do that shit you know what Give your kid up for adoption. Move on. Uh, <clears throat> but the old man had been out of work. Oh, man. I want to say about 26, maybe 28 months. Now these son of a bitches pissing and moaning about their $800,000 a week benefits check for unemployment. Try this shit. My old man was getting $67 a week. Try to pay rent. He had just bought a new truck, Dodge, red, short wheel base, slant six with three speed on the column. Remember that shit like it was yesterday. He couldn't, he was barely making it. Couldn't find work anywhere. Well, come to find out, the guy at the union hall, Cotton Grissom, he's dead, gone now, so I ain't worried about anything coming back on this. He had blackballed the old man with the union and dad found out about it. Now, you know, I told you in the previous episode about the old man drawing his 38 super out, unleashing hell downtown Galveston in broad daylight. I remember my dad going to the bedroom, opening the second drawer up on his dresser. He reached in and he pulled out what was, Hell, it looked like a, I don't know, maybe a 
bath towel of some sort. He unfolds it. It's the 38 Super. Racks one in the chamber. Now I understand what cocked and locked is. Sticks it in his pants. He's gone to kill Cotton Grissom. My mother gets a hold of dad's best friend who worked with him there at the uh, at the refineries, a guy named Marvin Kupsa. She called Marvin and she said, Custer's on his way to kill Cotton. He found out that Cotton's been blackballing him. Dad gets down there to the union hall and he's probably about three or four minutes late. Cotton had done closed some bitch up and left for the day. Marvin catches the old man. Well, dad's fixing to take off and go to Cotton's house. Marvin intervened on this on my dad's behalf to keep my dad out of prison because this was one of the times my dad would have screwed up and there's no getting out of this or he's not going to not get caught. Let me put it that way. That way. Uh, the next day, I want to say around noon, old man receives a call from the union hall. Lo and behold, his name's back at the top of the board and there's work for him. Funny how that works. Dad ended up going, you look this up. They made a movie in Port Oliver. It was called My Sweet Charlie. It had, uh, Patty Duke which later on was Patty Duke Aston. She married John Aston, another actor by the name of Al Freeman. And I believe the Channel 13 weatherman was in. <laughs> he was playing the sheriff, Dave Ward. God damn it, I knew I'd think of that thing. Uh, the old man was over there for two months working on that movie. Uh, he was a teamster driver. So wherever they needed to go, you know, they got in and they offered him a job going to... Uh, Yugoslavia, Cernogora, which Cernogora is Black Mountains. It's where my uh, grandparents come from. But there was still, I think, so much flack from World War II and the communism and everything still over there at that point. Dad was, Dad told me, he said, you know, he said, if I go, they'll kill me. He said, I don't, he said, I don't think I'll ever come back home. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he, he didn't go, but he went back to work at the refineries after the movie was over with. And, and needless to say, never did work, you know, never did uh, have any problem working anymore. He retired in 76. And, uh, you know, shit, we moved up here to the country, hence my hillbilly accent. And, uh, you have zero, you have zero accent. Oh my God, man. I, I, sound, I sound like a redneck from hell. Or at least, I, at least, why as I think I do. Dude, I, uh, lived, my, in, I lived in Georgia for. 16 years i lived in southern 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 fucking georgia for two years you don't have an accent an accent is when you do not know what they're saying how about y'all oh. doing man is die come again oh, okay so you so you mean just like when i went down into uh lafayette down into kunasville and i couldn't understand what the hell they were saying that's the accent Dude, I'll never forget my first day of college at Valdosta State University. This girl I was friends with, and, well, not friends with, became friends with, but I remember the day I met wow. her, we were like two doors down from each other. She came, and I remember she said, how are you doing, Tommy? 
I had no idea what the fuck. She, I don't mean like it was a southern accent, like, how you doing, Tommy, where it's like a little. I actually didn't know what she was saying. Like, it was a different language. Really? I mean, dude, it's like I lived at that point. I had lived in Georgia for eight years. And I thought I had understood Southern accents. Went down to Valdosta, dude. It, it, it's it breaks your mind trying to understand what they're saying. It's insane. It doesn't sound like English. Well, that's uh, you know, hell. Like I said, here I am going on fifty eight, and now I'm trying to learn Serbian. No, I'm not going to say anything other than brate, brother, uh, which I consider you one. And um, you know, it, it may. I, I can only imagine. My dad never spoke any Serbian in the house because my mother, she spoke hillbilly. And uh, there was no sense in him trying to carry on a conversation with a toddler, which now looking back, I wish he had him because I'd love to be able to speak the language. Uh, it, it's all about rolling the tongue and everything else. and <laughs> It becomes difficult. I get in here and start doing the shit and start uh, repeating back and my wife will look at me just shaking shaking her head like why is he in there doing, doing that hey I'm trying to get these dendrites get them moving I'm just kind of thinking about the whole hurricane thing man I, I bet I bet we're gonna see like right cause I imagine if like a burial zone started to get earthed up they would go and they would make a move to maybe move it. But once you're dead, there's no, no one gives a shit anymore. Right. I right. wonder. I, and then even as like technology changes and stuff, I mean, you know, I, I wonder, I wonder how many like mob burial sites are going to start. Like they're going to start finding as like tides recede or rise. I'm probably around like New York, New Orleans, like Miami. Oh, they're going to be finding mass fucking graves. It's um the East End, like I said earlier, the East End, the island, it got just smashed. So when we went down two weeks after Ike, um, you know, I had no, no reference point or any idea where dad did his business. Um, but I'm thinking, my God, man, you know, you know, I have no idea what the, how long a body will stay in those conditions. Um, I have no idea. Therefore, you know, hopefully for everyone involved, everything's gone by the wayside by now. Um, I know I don't think, you know, shit that was like I said, thirties, forties, fifties, possibly on up into the sixties. Um, and shit, we're talking to 2021 here now. So it, 60 years at a minimum, you know, 50 years, 60 years at a minimum. Um, you know, who the hell would they come knocking on the door? I mean, are they going to, you know, would they possibly, after me sitting here opening my mouth up, playing Sandy the Bull Gravano, you know, uh, are they going to come knock on my door? If they do, don't know what to tell them. Um, well, it, it- it's it's not only on whose door are they going to go knocking. Who the fuck's going to go do the knocking? There's no one exactly. alive that has the bones. So what? Are their sons going to come after you for something that they don't even remember to someone who had not? I doubt it. Had nothing to do. Yeah, it's. Uh, you, you know who's going to come? Is it's going to be a historian. historian. Well, you know what? That's what I would love. Be. 
Yeah. I would love it. Absolutely would love it. Um, you know, the missus has asked me several times. She said, you know, you know, kind of like you asked earlier, you know, have you ever thought about possibly? And I said, look, the last 20 plus years, one thing I learned after, after blowing a hole through my leg, you don't know everything about guns. So don't be a smart ass and think you do. You're always going to be a student. The last 21 years I put into being a student nonstop. So unless they send a Dale Comstock or a Joe Teddy or someone with a skill level greater than mine, stay at home and, you know, drink, you drink your, drink your milk of magnesia, whatever you need to do. Enjoy your life. I'm going to enjoy mine. Shit, man. Let bygones be good bygones. Everybody's dead and gone now. And if, you know, you got a problem, hit me up on Facebook. I'm not hard to find. It's <laughs> I've, I've often thought, and this is kind of way out there, but you know, like we're talking about like tides receding and climate change and are we going to find graves? I mean, speaking of which, they just not really, not really climate related, but they found that grave of, uh, of, um, of, of kids up in that under the oh, school oh, in Canada. Yes, man, oh, that right there, that right there, dude. I tell you what, there's fixing to be there's fixing to be some answers having to be given on that oh, shit, dude. We're about to learn a new piece of history for everyone that's not listening, and for time or for for future listeners. Today is Wednesday, June thirtieth, twenty twenty one. Is apparently they're finding mass graves under these schools in Canada where. Was it like indigenous people or was it foreign yes, immigrants they were forced to go to and they're finding that? Well, right now what they're identifying is uh, indigenous. Yeah. But, you know, it's like forced assimilation. Yes. And I'm like, man, you know, when I heard that, when that news broke, I'm like, Jesus Christ, man. You know, I know our governments are, are, are shitty, but, you know, at what point in time do we stop with the, with the horse shit like that? I mean, it's. I think, I think that's just another case of, of history, man. I don't. I mean, unless, unless it's one person killing one other person, and cremating the body and dumping the ashes in the ocean, I think everything comes to light. Maybe it's fifty years later with a with a grave in Galveston. Maybe it's a hundred years later with a mass grave in Canada. I don't think. I don't think that stuff can be hidden, man. It all comes. I mean, even fossils, you could say fossils are graves. We found the murder of a Tyrannosaurus Rex by another Tyrannosaurus Rex 200 million years later. There's, there's a great quote and I can't actually find who said it. It's just the quotes from this video, this guy going on this conspiracy about the moon. The entire thing is just insane. But the quote is, the quote is, the, the quote is the truth is like a fabric a perfect fabric. It has no missing pieces. It has no seams. It has no stitches. It can't be ripped apart. Meaning that it's this perfect thing that you can do a good part hiding it for a long time, right? I mean, the Nazis, they incinerated the botsy, the bodies, and then they, I think it was the, not the Einsatzgruppen. They, they, there's this, they had this bone crushing machine that they then dug up the bodies once they realized they were losing the war so they could grind the bones to a, a dust. But even then, like you can't hide it all. Eventually, it's it's all going to come out. And I think the reason why you, we eventually f- hear about it is because there's no one around who has any vested interest in it saying a secret. Right. You know, if, 
if we found documents about like JFK, it, it was a while ago, but it's also still close enough that there's probably a vested interest versus like Abe Lincoln. If some do- who, well, the, right. who the fuck is who the fuck is a it's 160 <laughs> years ago? Yeah, yeah. I don't. <clears throat> me, I don't think John Wilkes Booth is going to come running up anytime soon. And, and no anytime and no soon. and no one around it, and no one's kids or even grandkids. Right. So it's. But we'll wrap it up on this point. The idea I had was. We know that, right, we know that there's like a sphere around the Earth, probably like close to like 100 light years in, in radius now, right? Because that's how, long, that's how long we've had radio signals. So like technically it's very like attenuated and it's, it's faint, but you could go out 100 light years and if you put up like a radio like receiver, you could pick up like Hitler's speeches or FDR's fireside chats. Like it's going at light speed forever. Eventually... Which also means that just light is going forever. Theoretically, if you went far enough away from Earth and then turned a telescope back, you could because we know when we look at the night sky, we're not looking at it as it is currently. We're looking at it as it was years and thousands of years ago. Like if right. I, so, <clears throat> technically, if you could somehow, you'd have to travel faster than the speed of light to get away from Earth in order to do this. I think, yeah. But if you looked back with some hyper alien telescope technology, you could watch famous events as they happened and not as they were dictated on paper or put out in the news. But as they happened, I mean, you got to imagine in like a thousand years, it's, there's going to be a, a new form of history where we look back on Earth and it's like, hey, look, there's like four muzzle flashes in Dealey Plaza. There are four shooters or they're going to see exactly. they're going to they're going to look on to 9-11 or some shit or who killed MLK. And they're going to be going, oh, was this that you're going to be able to look back and go, hey, here's the virus leaving Wuhan. Like there's going to be this hey. sort of unperverted history. And it's James Ray. James Ray was innocent. That's what I mean. It's like they're going to be able to look at it's going to I mean, it won't be in our it won't be for a thousand years, but eventually a computer, if the laws of physics allow it, eventually there will be. I mean, you'll use it to look back at and see dinosaurs walking around. But I mean, eventually you'll be able to zoom in on Dealey Plaza and be like, huh, we see the school book depository. Who's over there on the grassy knoll? And then you could go a little farther out. And you could monitor it again, and so you could, in, ter- in theory, watch it backwards. You'd be like, huh, right. huh, we're following that car from the CIA station chief. It's going to be... It's, why the hell is he there? Why is he there? But that's the thing, is like, in order to get to that point in history, or that technological capability, we would probably have transcended, you know as a species beyond any sort of grudges or, or war. And it would probably be right. We'd be looking back at like cavemen killing each other. And we you know there'd be no, I don't a know. Thousand how to, years yeah. From, yeah. Well, a thousand years from now, I mean, the way that we act now, that that's basically what, what they'll look at us is look, you know, the cave, look at these cavemen, look how they act. Yeah. And it's um, right. That's one of the great filters is like, because how we act now, it's not a whole lot different than how we acted a thousand years. I mean, granted, you know, we have a lot of equality. You can't really rape and murder and shit. But I mean, it's we're still pretty much the same beasts. But with things like like viral warfare or nuclear weapons, 
we're getting to a point where that's like one of the great filters is like you sort of have to transcend your animal roots in order to become a spacefaring species because unlike 10,000 years ago where caveman mad caveman take rock and kill other cavemen now it's caveman mad cavemen launch intercontinental ballistic missile and it's a lot different but <laughs> caveman pissed he gonna let vile loose at wuhan yeah yeah caveman yeah ching tong tong yeah it's uh yeah and now this podcast is, has gone completely off the rails in a matter of three Ooh, minutes. Dude, I don't, I don't know where the hell we went and what, what track we took there at the damn Santa Fe Railroad yeah. in Galveston, my brother. It, this is this is the shit I love to watch with you. Yeah, man. It, it, it was your solo rant this morning. I'm up at like 2.30 in the morning and I'm watching Tom. I'm like, fuck yeah, man. Looks we like Leroy Jenkins. Speaking it, of which, man. I cannot find Leroy Jenkins. I've been trying to find him for over a year. Really? Can't find You're him. talking about the, the legitimate Leroy. Leroy Jenkins. God damn it, Leroy. I've been trying to find Leroy. Yeah. I can't find him. Wait, wait. What did he say? Something about chicken? Oh, he says, God <laughs> damn it, Leroy. Uh, 33.33 repeating, of course. Yo, chops up. Let's do this, Leroy Jenkins. Jenkins. Uh, uh, damn it, boy! I tell you what, how the shit did we go from getting laid at ten years old to well, that's, well, that's, doing that's, this shit? Well, that's I mean, that, well, it's what you said earlier when you're like, you look back at your first episode and you were saying like your head's all over the place. Dude, that's oh how that's God. that's no, but that's the reason why I tell you don't worry about that isn't because I'm being nice and I'm like, yeah, don't worry. It's because I legitimately don't give a fuck. There is no that's what I hate about sort of like produced shows. It's like, well, today uh, we're talking with J.R. Kessel about uh, about the mob and about growing up in a mob. No, it's like you, you go from that to fucking cutting a guy's dick off to commie killers to am I going to be taken that's out it. by a state sanctioned murder? I mean. Because that's what's fun. That's what I loved listening when I discovered Joe Rogan in 2011. That's what I loved about him. I was like, this guy's going to be big. And it's like... Look at him now. That's that's what I'm saying. That's what I love about it. So, like, the idea that we have to stay on one topic, like, no. it's that's To me, that's, that's a fate worse than death. If I ever sit here and I'm like, you know, we start talking about aliens, and I'm like, let's guide the conversation back towards the mob. I want someone to shoot me in the fucking face because I will be dead inside. You know what? You've lost your audience when you do. Yeah, it's right. I, <laughs> we're not going to get any goddamn views out of this whatsoever. Yeah. Everybody's going to go, what the I fuck did he just talk about? I don't give a fuck. Then, then, then this podcast isn't for you. Go watch NPR, listen to NPR, do whatever. No, this is yeah. not at all. Fuck that. God damn yeah, it. Yeah, go to CNN, listen to Rachel Madcow. Go listen to anything. Yeah, go listen to that dude. I don't give a shit. It's JR. We got to wrap this one up. I got some other ends I got to take care of today. I'll uh, I'll text you when it's up, and we will uh, we'll set up another one. And um, sounds yeah. good, brother. God bless. God bless America. God bless everybody listening. I hope you enjoyed it. And um, fuck yeah, man. Till next time. Hey, I'm, I look forward. Much love, my brother. Recording Peace. Stopped. Peace.